You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So there's no training camp or anything, so we're going to get a little bit off-season-y again. But I wanted to start off talking about some contract details, because as I was kind of poking around, had a couple thoughts. There's a a lot of people getting paid out there, especially wide receivers. And I've been hearing about, you know, Devontae, and I thought, no, I mean, he's getting paid pretty good, or at least he will be, his contract's going up, and I was like, let me just go look at it, and let me look at this, and let me look at that, and I looked at a couple other things, and eh, we'll get to that. Otherwise, it's just going to be a little grab baggy today. So please remember to, hello phone, thank you for interrupting. Leave a five-star iTunes review, or whatever kind of review you'd like to leave, if you enjoy the podcast. Otherwise, we're going to take our break. And we'll talk some contracts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the Devontae Adams thing is sort of what kicked this off. A lot of people are seeing the big money that was signed by Michael Thomas and saying, well, it's, it's Devontae's turn, right? I mean, Michael Thomas signed about a five-year, nearly $100 million thing. So, man, oh, man, Devontae's going to be getting paid $20 million a year, blah, blah, blah. Here's sort of the interesting thing about it. First of all, as I've mentioned in the past... Next year is when people start getting pretty expensive. Aaron Rodgers' contract goes through the roof. Devontae's contract, at least in terms of, of uh, the cap hit against the team, goes from $10.8 million to $16.6 million. Now, only $13 million of that is cash to Devontae, so $13 million is all he cares about. The rest is signing bonus, which he took care of back in, I don't know, 2017. In other words, it counts against the team, but that money's already been paid to Devontae a long time ago. And he's going to be getting $13 million in 2020 and 2021. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because you look at it and you say the cap hit is 16.6 and that's already kind of a lot. But at $13 million, you wonder if Devontae maybe is thinking, hey, you know, I could use a little infusion of cash here. Top five-ish, borderline top five-ish, whatever you want to put him as a wide receiver. He probably is worth a little bit more than that. 
it, it's kind of tricky though to look at how much people are getting paid. For example, if you actually look at Michael Thomas's contract, if you don't look at his signing bonus, which comes at the beginning of every contract, granted some are different, some people just get like a million bucks and then they get big time money like Antonio Brown, he got a million dollar signing bonus, but now he's making like 17 million a year. Which if you look at that, it's like, oh man, he's making all the money. Yeah, but Michael Thomas got $20 million, like a, a check. Here you go, here's 20 million bucks. But if you look at the per year salary that they're going to be making, Devontae Adams makes more every single year, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Obviously not if you count the, the big infusion of cash he got to sign his contract. But in 2019, Michael Thomas's base salary is about a million bucks. Next year, when he doesn't get another infusion of cash, he's going to be making $11 million. Devontae's going to be getting 13. In 2021, Michael Thomas is going to be making $12.8 million. Devontae Adams is going to be making 13. So in terms of how much money you're making on a per year basis, Michael Thomas, who just got paid, is making less. Now he's going to be making more and more as the years goes on. So you can kind of look at it and say maybe, you know, to make things right and to kind of boost Devontae to where he should be, a signing bonus and a little bit bump in your annual salary, plus an extension, would be kind of nice. And I could see that happening, and I think that would be a fair thing to do. Maybe let's just let him play this year, prove he is definitively a top-five wide receiver, because I think he's going to absolutely blow up. Not that this is going to work to our advantage, but let's just see what's going to happen, because we're, we're already planning on paying him, right? We're going to do right by Devontae. We're going to give him big money. We want to give him big money, but let's just hold off. Let's just see and make sure everything's good. Every, he's good in this this system, and let's hear what the, the you know offensive coordinator and head coach have to say about him, just to confirm our suspicions that he is definitively one of the best, works great, you know, he's still rocking 10, 12 touchdowns and, I don't know, 1,200 yards, whatever he's going to get this year. Let's just call it 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. How does that sound to you? And then we'll give him his big, gigantic signing bonus. We'll pay him, you know, I don't know, closer to $15 million as opposed to $13 million on his base salary. And we'll tack on three years to his contract, which would put him at 31 years old, which is the same as Michael Thomas. That would have him signed through 2024. But either way, you know, I definitely can see something like that coming. But it's he's not that far off. I mean, if you're just looking at 2019... And you're saying the, the guy's base salary this year is $2.7 million. In total cash dollars, he's making 7.2. That's criminal. Yeah, that's not great. But again, it's going to skyrocket after this year. And he's not exactly suffering. When he signed his contract, he got an $18 million signing bonus, very similar to what Michael Thomas got this year. They, he got paid pretty handsomely. So I, I think it's coming. I don't know on the urgency scale where that falls, especially when we're looking at Kenny Clark and saying, we know we want to get this guy locked up. Kenny comes first for sure. Now, does Kenny Clark have to get extended this year? No. This year, Kenny's making $1.7 million. Next year, which is going to be his fifth year, he's still under contract, and he's looking to make $9.4 million, and that's cool. Here's the problem. Given the things that are going on around the NFL, and I don't know if this would ever happen or if Kenny would ever do it, this would be sort of a, a prime situation for a holdout. Even though $9 million is a lot of money, the fact of the matter is he's playing as essentially a top five, easily top ten defensive tackle in the NFL today. He is one of the best players we have on this entire team. He is up there with David Bakhtiari in terms of talent. 
He's a phenom at 23 years old, and he does deserve to get paid, and I think we should pay him because paying him $1.7 million to do what he's going to do for this defense is kind of silly. I know it's a contract, and it is what it is, but I just think the Packers have done a really good job of paying their guys, honoring the guys' contracts that they're planning to honor to avoid these kind of holdout situations. Yes, we can wait until the end of the year or whatever, but let's just pay him. Especially when you consider that the price just goes up. You know, and it, it, there's really not going to be a big difference other than, again, the, the price is going to go up. But I, I think that's all kind of baked in anyways. Everybody understands that the price is going to go up. That's expected to be baked into the contract as it is. It's not like we're exactly freezing this year's dollars, although kind of. But his agent, if he's going to be worth anything, is going to look at this and say, okay, but this is a five-year contract, and in five years I don't want him to be getting paid as though he's like the 24th best tackle. And on the other side of it, injuries aren't really going to hurt anything anyways. Even if he gets put on IR, what are you going to do, cut him? You know you're still going to sign him to a long-term contract, unless it's something super devastating that he just can't play anymore or something. So as far as urgency, I wouldn't say it's super urgent, but it's 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 very similar to Devontae, except the, the deadline is coming a little bit closer. He's got one less year than Devontae on his contract, and the difference between the product he's putting on the field and the pay that he's getting is massive. So I would put that a little bit higher up on the list. However, a lot of people talking about Devontae. Everybody's talking about Kenny Clark. I kind of want to point out somebody else that I feel like might need to be and probably will be getting paid relatively soon, and I wouldn't actually be surprised if it's this year. Now, we can't do all of these this year, but let's just say we do one of them. Let's consider somebody else here. The best left tackle in the entire game right now is David Bakhtiari, one of the most premium positions in the NFL left tackle, and there isn't anybody better than David Bakhtiari. In total cash dollars, he's going to make 11 million bucks this year. In total cash dollars, he's going to make 11 million dollars next year. Next year, and by the way, David Bakhtiari's um, base salary is going up to 10 million dollars next year. That makes him the 12th highest paid Uh, left tackle in the NFL. Taylor Decker for the Lions gets more. Laramie Tunsil, Joe Staley has earned. Uh, Jake Matthews, who just got a contract. Teron Armstead, Riley Reef, Trent Williams, Ronnie Stanley is pretty solid. Russell Okung, Donovan Smith, and Taylor Lewan. Now, I got to be honest, I'm a little stunned at how little left tackles are getting paid right now. (laughs) Wide receivers are making about as much, maybe a little bit more than left tackles. That's just, that's that's a sign of a really dumb franchise right there. But either way, David Bakhtiari's contract is um, only through 2020, meaning we got him this year and next year. So David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark have two years left. Devontae has three, including this year. As far as urgency, because time is up, obviously David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark are higher up on the list. In terms of being disrespected based on the pay, um, Kenny Clark is the highest urgency, followed by David Bakhtiari then followed by Devontae Adams, who, by the way, is making more money than David Bakhtiari. No disrespect to Devontae, he's awesome, but he should not be getting paid more than David Bakhtiari. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but for for some reason, as much as Kenny Clark makes a lot of sense, I really wouldn't be surprised if there was one big signing before the season started that it wasn't David Bakhtiari. I just, I don't know, just got that feeling, man. It also isn't going to be as impactful financially because there's not as big of a discrepancy between what we're already paying him and what it's going to go up to. 
I mean, if we just bring him up to like $17 million in 2020, that's a, you know, we're bringing it up 6 million bucks in, to- in total cash. If it's, you know, just his base salary, we're bringing it up $7 million. Kenny Clark could be making somewhere in the ballpark of $17, $18 million. And again, he's getting about roughly, I don't know, one. We're tacking $16 million bucks onto his con. And, you know, actually, that's probably not true. If he gets extended, it's not going to impact this year, so it'll be off of his $10 million, so it'll be roughly the same, I guess. Which, by the way, that's kind of crazy also. Again, no disrespect to Kenny Clark, but it has nothing to do with his pay. This is just his rookie contract. The final year of his rookie contract is the same amount of money as David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari is being paid like a rookie on his fifth year. (laughs) The only other potentially interesting um, conversation would be Corey Lindsley. The biggest difference here is that Corey Lindsley's contract goes through 2020, and in 2020 he'll be 29 years old, meaning if we give him an extension, the first year of his extension starts at age 30. I've already pointed to the fact that if I were to come up with another comp to the Mike Daniels situation, it would be Corey Lindsley, which is a talented person who finds himself in a new system that maybe doesn't exactly work out, He's got young people nipping at his heels. You look at Cole Madison, you look at Elton Jenkins especially, who is a center. Really just makes me wonder about his future. More so than an extension, I wonder if the Packers don't look to move on after 2020. His cap hit this year is $8.15 million. Next year it jumps to 10.5. If we cut him, there's only a $2 million cap hit meaning we would save $8.5 million in a year when Devontae Adams' contract shoots through the roof, in a year when when Aaron Rodgers' contract shoots through the roof. He's getting paid $26 million, or excuse me, his cap hit this year is 26.5. Next year it's 32.6. $6.1 million increase in his cap hit. And then, of course, considering the fact that Kenny Clark is going to get paid. David Bakhtiari is going to get paid. Devontae is going to get paid. How essential is Corey Lindsley to your operations that you have to also extend him and give him $10-plus million when you've got a guy like Elton Jenkins on a rookie contract? Um, you know, I, I, I don't like saying it. I like Corey Lindsley. He's a great center. It has nothing to do with his talent level. It's just a simple matter of we need the money. He's not irreplaceable. We've, we've got a bunch of young people, and I think the plan may be as much as everyone just assumes the plan is, well, Elton Jenkins was drafted to take over at guard, I don't know. Maybe he's just going to be a center starting next year. Which honestly brings up another interesting point. Because my thought was Elton Jenkins was going to be taking over for our left guard. If he's not, which he still may, but there, you know, if we don't extend Corey Lindsley, even if Elton Jenkins is a guard this year, they're probably going to kick him back inside to center next year. Next year is the last year of Lane Taylor's contract. Next year, Lane Taylor is 30 years old. Now, I don't know how much money he's going to get. Maybe it'd be worth it to just pay him a couple million bucks. If he'll take a $4 million deal, I don't know, maybe we just hang on to him. But I really think it just continues to emphasize the need to, to really hammer offensive line starting next year, especially in the draft. I mean, are we going to extend Brian Balaga? That's even more money. If not, what are we going to do? Well, we kick Billy Turner outside. Okay, well, can he even handle that is the first question. If he can, then we've got no Corey Lindsley and we've got no right guard and we've got a Lane Taylor situation. Do we have to draft an entirely new interior offensive line? We'll have Elton Jenkins at center. We need a new right guard. We need a new left guard. 
It also highlights how important it is that guys do step up. Elton Jenkins needs to hit. Billy Turner needs to hit. Cole Madison, it would be nice for him to kind of step up. And I don't know that anybody's going anywhere, but we all kind of assume Brian Balaga's time is winding down. And again, Corey Lindsley and Lane Taylor are about 30 years old. And as much as it's, you know, it's easy to say, well, Corey Lindsley's worth paying, with what money? And, and you know, again, I'm not trying to say Corey Lindsley's slow or anything, but I just remember really liking Corey Lindsley and wanting him to win the job because he could bench press, like, I don't know, a ridiculous amount of money, and I thought that was awesome. And he ended up winning. I didn't expect him to. But with the new scheme, it's, it's more about speed and agility. It's more about Elton Jenkins. Those types of players. I just don't know how much you want to invest in you know, a 30-year-old Corey Lindsley or starting at 31 or whatever it's going to be and, and again, you know, extending Lane Taylor into year 2021 and beyond. Not that this is super imminent because, you know, Lane Taylor and Corey Lindsley are still under contract next year, but this is the kind of thing, in my opinion, a good GM does is looks at these kinds of things and says we're headed toward an, a, an absolute disaster with our offensive line if we don't start addressing, and he has already. Right, Cole Madison, then Billy Turner, then Elton Jenkins. We, we've been adding pieces, but these pieces need to hit, and we're also going to need a few more pieces. I would like it. I would be quite happy, especially if Billy Turner turns out to be a pretty solid right guard. If we can go out and hit in the first round on a really solid right tackle, we're, we're doing pretty well. Because at that point, we've got our new right tackle. We've got David Bakhtiari locked up for another probably four years. Billy Turner, right guard. Elton Jenkins at center. And then maybe we throw $4 million bucks at Lane Taylor. Maybe Cole Madison can go over there. Maybe Billy plays over there and Cole plays right. Whatever. Or we just swing at another guard at next year in the third round or something. I don't know. But we, we simultaneously are going to need the offensive linemen that we've acquired to be good football players and are probably going to need to continue to add pieces to that offensive line. Especially in this, this new scheme. I mean, it's, I mentioned it a few weeks ago. You look at Kyle Shanahan in his in his first year. They started adding offensive linemen. Went out and drafted a right tackle in the first round at like number ten overall or something. You look at Sean McVay when he took over for the Rams. They basically went out and revamped the entire offensive line. I think he signed two, maybe three, offensive linemen in free agency, and then the first round pick was an offensive lineman. So this is where Russ Ball is going to earn his money because there's a lot of decisions to be made, and, and Brian Gutekunst plays a big part in that too. Saying goodbye to guys like Mike Daniels is not the easy part of his job. There's not going to be a popular decision. It's not going to be one that's going to sit well with too many people. Regardless of scheme fit or anything else, it's, it's tough. But financially, this is what we do. Mason Crosby. You don't want to trust a guy like, like Ficken because you know what happens. This is my biggest concern. It's not even so much Mason Crosby. It's just that we've seen this play out before. Look at Robbie Gold with the Bears. He started slipping. He missed some kicks. Oh, Bears fans are hollering, doing what Bears fans He's no good anymore. He's a bum. Good riddance. Get rid of him. Now they're they're begging and pleading to please let him come back. I don't want it. We, as Packer fans, we've been sitting back laughing at all these teams that are garbage, missing these easy chip shot field goals, mit, losing playoff games because of missed field goals, while we have Mason Crosby. However, you get a guy like Ficken in, who, by the way, has been passed around. I don't know. I can't think of an appropriate analogy, but he gets passed around a lot. Like the taco dip. Like that, you know, that you ever have that stuff that's got the like Velveeta and cream cheese with some hamburger meat in it, and no salsa, thank you very much. So good. Gets passed around like that stuff. Because he, he can't hold down a job. 
And suddenly it's like, yeah, let's keep this guy. He's awesome. He missed a bunch of kicks, but he made a long one. Don't need Mason Crosby anymore. I don't know, man. But these are the decisions you got to make because you can't pay everybody. You can't pay Kenny Clark and Devontae and Corey Lindsley and Mason Crosby and Kenny Clark, if I didn't say him yet, and extend Brian Balaga and keep Jimmy Graham, which I don't know why we still have Jimmy Graham. I mean, I hope he breaks out and all, but I just really have a hard time seeing him earning the amount of money we're paying him. Like, if we're, if we're trying to pay, I, I, I'd rather just pay Devontae. Like, just give him the money. It's fine. I, don't, I shouldn't say that. Jimmy Graham is still a possibly talented guy. Maybe he'll break out. I don't know what's going to happen. It's just weird to me. I'm trying to pinch numbers and justify, you know, a couple million bucks for a kicker. And we got Jimmy Graham that nobody expects anything from getting, like, sucking up 10 million bucks. He's getting paid more than our left tackle to do. No- I don't understand the world. He's not getting paid more than David Bakhtiari, but it's still a lot. If you lie about the numbers like a lot of people do about everything, twist statistics around. Jimmy Graham signed an average yearly contract of $10 million per year. David Bakhtiari's base salary this year is $8.5 million. Am I comparing apples and oranges? Yes, I am, but it proves my point. That's not true. It accentuates my point, which is false. So let's move on. Actually, let's take our uh, second break, and then we'll look at some kind of news and notes from around the NFC North, and we'll call it a Sunday. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So speaking of contracts, um, looking at some of the news from around the NFC North, uh, there isn't a ton coming out right now. You know, Theo Riddick is gone in Detroit. He's a Denver Bronco now. You know, a, a lot of the news is either so-and-so is on pup or didn't practice due to a very minor injury similar to the Packers, or... It's Lions reporters reporting how elite everybody is, similar to what Packers reporters are doing, right? So-and-so looks amazing. This guy looks great. It's probably even worse because, I don't know, maybe if you scour Lions Twitter, it's different, but I feel like you get some negative. I can't find anything negative. But the one interesting note I came across, which I've been thinking about for the the Vikings for some time, is we're pretty obsessed about Mitch Trubisky and, and his future, and obviously we're concerned as Packer fans about Aaron Rodgers and his future. That's... There's still plenty of time, but it's starting to wind down, and you know, hopefully we can get one more, all that stuff. I think the interesting thing is, especially with the upcoming draft and how it's very offensive heavy, um, and there's going to be several quarterbacks that are probably going to be going in the first round. We'll see how many declare, et cetera, et cetera. Probably most of them, because if you're a quarterback, you're going to make big money. You're going to go pretty early. If you're going to go anywhere near the first or second round, why would you go back to school? I guess if you're a second round, to be a first rounder. Anyways, I think next year might be the year that we start to see some of these teams that have veteran quarterbacks start to look to the future. We've been talking about that for quite a while now, and it seems like for the most part it's just teams with garbage quarterbacks going out and getting new quarterbacks. 
However, most of those teams now have new quarterbacks and probably aren't going to be replacing them anytime soon. There's a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Right? The Browns have their quarterback. The Jets and the Buffalo Bills have their quarterback, as much as they might not be very good. Bears obviously have Trubisky, and, you know, it's it's good or not, these guys are going to be around for a while. But, with the exception of maybe, like, the Miami Dolphins who might be swinging at a quarterback who need one, I think about teams like the Vikings and the Lions and wonder if and when it's time to move on. Now, if I'm a Vikings fan or a Lions fan, it's not even a question. It's probably harder for Lions fans, maybe, because he's been around such a long time. He's such a integral part of the team. But you look at the age, you look at the production, you look at what they've been able to do. In other words, can this guy actually get me over the hump? You look at the massive amount of money, which is the biggest piece, and compare and contrast that to other teams who go out and get young, talented rookie quarterbacks and then pay a ton of money into free agency and just go dominate. And then there's the simple fact of the contract. Now, Matt Stafford is signed through 2022. That's a very, very long time. However, his guarantees pretty well dry up after this year. He has $6 million of guaranteed money next year. And in fact, his his cap hit would be pretty substantial at $26 million. But if you draft somebody in 2020 and keep Matt Stafford around in 2020, starting in 2021, you can let Stafford walk. The, the dead money would be $10 million only. Now, shockingly, Stafford will only be 33 years old in 2021. He's only 31 right now. But I really think you legitimately have to ask a question. And, and this is coming from someone who thinks he's, he's a decent quarterback. But there's a lot of decent quarterbacks that I think the team is hamstrung by the fact that he's not bad enough to get rid of, but he's not good enough to ever get you a Super Bowl. I think the classic example of this is the Red Rocket over there in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is is not a bad quarterback, but he's not going to get you anything. He's not good enough, and he's certainly not reason enough to say, you know what, we're not going to risk it, we're not going to go out and get new quarterbacks. Yes, you should. And I think if you have an opportunity, and I don't know what the opportunity is going to be. If, if the you know if the Lions end up winning 10 games, there's, there's a chance there might not be quarterbacks available for them. But if they have a garbage season and have an opportunity to get a Jake Fromm, just take him. And that's true of the Vikings as well. As a Packer fan, I hope you don't. But I think that situation is even more dire because not only is he um, overpaid, and he might, he might be a good enough quarterback to get you where you need to go. As much as that seems weird to say because I think Stafford and Cousins are pretty much on the same level, we've seen Stafford toe the line up to the playoffs, and it just he just can't seem to get it done. Yes, it's a team sport, but I don't know what it is, man. Even when there's good teams, even when there's good years, just, he, can't, he can't get them himself over the hump. The Vikings, though, I think is even more dire for several reasons. Number one, he's only under contract through 2020. It's a fully guaranteed contract, so you draft somebody next year, then you play Kirk Cousins and let this guy sit behind you, and then you move on. But it's, it's even more dire because the team, in my estimation, is falling apart. They're starting to look very, very, very similarly to the Seattle Seahawks, although they've never been as good. They haven't had as good a quarterback, never had as good a team. The defense was dominant for only one year, and I don't think it was ever as good as the Legion of Boom years. And they're in a situation where they don't have an offensive line. They don't have any money. I don't think there's really any evidence that they've been drafting very well. Again, can't fix the offensive line. And they, they just keep paying guys that they see as core players and essentially overpaying. You overpaid your quarterback. You overpaid your linebacker. You, you know, extended your, your one of your really talented wide receivers. At some point, you got to free up some money and, and do something else. 
And the scary thing from our perspective as Packer fans is if they hit on that quarterback, which is true of everybody, right? If you hit on the quarterback and then you got a bunch of free money because instead of paying $31 million, you're paying, you know, $5 million or whatever, that's $25 million just sitting there for you to spend. Then you have this dominant defense. You've got $25 million to add to the offense and the defense, fix the offensive line, and you've got a talented enough quarterback. So I very much expect the Vikings to take a swing. The Lions probably won't, but probably should. But that'll be interesting from our perspective as well, because if everyone's lining up to take and reach on quarterbacks, that'll work to our benefit when we're sitting there hoping some of these freakish offensive tackles fall into our lap or, you know, wide receivers or whatever it's going to be. As for uh, some specific Vikings news, the guy that I really liked last year because of who he is, Chad Beebe, is having himself another good year. Chad Beebe being Don Beebe's son. Obviously, I don't want him to do too well, but I want him to be good enough that he makes the team because it's kind of like a Jay Kumaro situation where it's like, well, how do you not put him on the team? But then he just doesn't really contribute in the regular season, which is also like Jay Kumaro. But uh, yeah, I used to like Don Beebe quite a bit back in the day. I mean, that everybody from that group was awesome. But anyways, yeah, Chad's back in the news. Good for Chad. Best case scenario, again, he makes the team and then blows a big play against the Packers for us to win and it's just glorious. And as for the Bears, the only thing that really matters is uh, that Mitch Trubisky still looks like the same Mitch Trubisky, and he does. Obviously, if you read this article that I looked at through the lens of a Bears fan who wrote it, they're doing their best to make it look rosy. But this is absolutely worst-case scenario. The Chicago Bears need Mitch Trubisky to be a different quarterback, and he's not a different quarterback. Apparently, they're putting an emphasis on less turnovers he's still throwing lots of turnovers and in the words of this article some of them are because of a great play by a great defense some of them are just garbage throws they go on to say well there's been less though well yeah because you're emphasizing less you're trying to tell him to throw less interceptions and to be less risky and as a result there are less but proportional to the kinds of throws that he's throwing as far as accuracy and those, it still is bad. Maybe my favorite part of this entire article is the last paragraph. So while Trubisky hasn't looked flawless in his first seven practices in training camp, it's not a reason to panic. The more he and the rest of the offense continue to battle against this defense and make those mistakes, the more they'll be able to correct those mistakes before the regular season begins. Sorry, that's not how this works. He had an entire offseason to work on things like mechanics and, and you know, trying to get this all ironed out to hope that he can come to to Chicago and be a better quarterback. He showed up. He's the same guy who throws some good passes and some garbage passes. He's very inconsistent. And you're saying we don't need to panic because there's still time before week one? No, there isn't. He's got a, what is he going to do in a month? He's going to go from being the same old quarterback who can't get his, his feet in the right position and doesn't know how to throw a football and his balls are all errant, and, you know, some of them great, and some of them not great, which is the exact same thing he was doing last year, then you're saying we should be optimistic because, hey, they've got a month to figure this thing out? Come on. No, you... No, man. And, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not saying. I don't know. Maybe he's going to be awesome. But when I'm digging around for how's Mitch doing from a Bears website, this is exactly what I want to read. I want to hear them say, well, um... It's not better per se, but I mean, you know, he seems like he understands the offense more. There's been technically less interceptions. I think he got taller. You know, I, I don't know. 
He just looks healthier. He's got a glow to him. Maybe he's pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> this is this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to read. As much as they're putting a positive spin on this, essentially, if I were to sum this up, Mitch Trubisky looks the exact same. He's probably a little smarter. He understands the system a little better. He'll probably make a couple less mistakes, i.e. he'll be a little bit better of a quarterback. But ultimately, still throwing some crazy passes. That's all that matters to me. Because I just don't want that switch to get flipped, and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, really, really good. Top 10, top 15-ish quarterback. As much, you know, any Bears fans like, he already is. No, he's not, man. He was garbage last year. Did like three podcasts on it. Go listen to those. I'll see your statistics and raise you advanced statistics. But anyways, all seems well. I think the, the biggest loss for any one team has probably been Mike Daniels for the Packers which, of course, was an addition for the Lions, which is not great. But, um, yeah, number one thing I wanted to know this training camp is that Mitch Trubisky didn't get better. Because the biggest hindrance to the Packers winning the NFC North and getting into the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl is going to be Mitch Trubisky becoming a great quarterback. And suddenly they've got the best defense in the NFL and a, one of the, a brilliant offensive head coach and, you know, great offensive line real good new running back, decent enough wide receivers, and suddenly this really good young quarterback. It's kind of hard to overcome that. So this is uh, it's refreshing. Anyways, we'll probably just end it on that high note. Keep an eye on it. Maybe maybe that switch will get... Maybe he just needed like two more weeks. You know, he's had several years, but he needed like two years and, you know, like, like two more weeks. Then he's going to be awesome. So we'll keep an eye on it. You folks enjoy your Sunday. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Have a good one.